We're back. Welcome to No Direction Beyond, your Starfinder news, reviews, and interviews podcast. I'm Alexander Agunas, No Direction's Everyman Gamer, and I'm joined by always by two of the most intrepid Starfinders on this side of the galaxy. Hi, I'm uh, James. I used to write Code Switch. Hi, I'm John Godek, and I produce Intrepid Heroes and uh, also Digital Divination and presenting for the No Direction Network. See, it was very appropriate that I said that we're the most intrepid Starfinders because you're literally an intrepid hero. Um, so uh, first things first, elephant in the room. Uh, where have we been for the past six months? <laughs> uh, I know I've been sick, uh, a bunch of house stuff. And uh, yeah, my yeah. in-laws are visiting me this week. So, but it's fine. They're off doing something else now. So. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, I know. Like, I felt like I, for the last six months I've talked to you and it was like, my wife's sick. I got to take care of the, the child. I'm sick. My wife is taking care of the child. The child's sick. I'm taking care of the child. Everybody for the like my, six months. My wife was almost blind for the last week, like wow. three weeks ago, because she had an eye thing, an eye infection, got better, then had an allergy and that she didn't know was an allergy that she got a medicine for that she was allergic to, which further took away mm. her accent. <laughs> And it's just, it's just, it's, it's better now. Everything's much better now. Oh no. <laughs> uh, th th I mean, so for me, like, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, no direction and now Paizo's Dustin Knight and I were dating like back in October ish when, uh, Dustin was like, Hey, I'm working for Paizo now. I don't have time to be the producer. And I'm like, should I be on this show? Is this a conflict of interest for me? <laughs> like, and so like that, that like big philosophical questions um dustin and i are no longer together and uh that's fine but uh we're here for starfinder now because we have a new producer uh who stepped up to the plate because uh jane uh, yeah were you you no no i'm pointing down okay good good i'm just making sure <laughs> okay i was confused because like uh uh, James and I are great at the charisma and like you know commenting and being really hype but you know what we can't do uh, anything involving Adobe Premiere <laughs> <laughs> it's basically Greek why do they even write it like that like I've done a couple videos and they've taken me hours and they make me want to cry and John I'm so glad that we have your skill and expertise uh, on no direction beyond well well thanks for having me it's been you know I've really been a big fan of the show and everybody you've had on here so it's kind of cool to be on it yeah. now and i will i, I will know. give you a trick i learned actually from lauren mm -hmm. uh is it, is it called... relate everything to vikings uh, yes no uh <laughs> premiere elements is oh. a really easy point and click for video editing quite frankly so oh i might yeah, have to try it. that because yeah. i was using uh i was using like standard premiere and like oh me too <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm having like immediate like flashbacks, but that's okay. <laughs> um, talking about flashbacks, there's actually been some products in the six months that we have been on the show, and one of them is Starfinder Interstellar Species. Uh, those of you who were watching us before we went on a half a year hiatus will remember that we had like John Compton on a couple of times to talk about the evolutionist. Uh, I think we had Thurston Hillman on like once, and he, yeah. he mentioned stuff. So like we were ready to like go and talk about this book. And then like the hiatus hit us, but now we're back. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to review this book with a vengeance. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Get the hard cover so James, right can you give our audience a brief rundown on what we're going to do today? This poor book. Uh, we're going to tear into it. Uh, Interstellar species is almost seems like a couple different books, or at least it has a bunch of different systems. It's yeah. not just a, uh, a bestiary. Um, Definitely. It has that, but it also combined like an NPC guide. There's a species builder, sort of, uh, <laughs> sort of. as well as a <laughs> new class, a bunch ton, a butt ton of character options and class options as well. Like a lot of class options. It's very good. Uh, and it's funny because like a lot of the stuff is like, it's like dispersed through this book. It's like someone took that um that Guy Fieri meme of going like Flavor Town. Like that's this book. <laughs> this book is Flavor Town in space. Um, yeah. It, it's not like if, if you are not into every part of Starfinder, it's fine. You just have to keep flipping until you get to that next page that has something you want. Yeah, it's good. And actually, one of the things I really like about this book is it's, it's got really good art of a whole bunch of different species. <laughs> yeah, like the art is really good. Um, when you open up, you get to watch a picture of, of an uplifted bear and a maracoy. Like I think they're in a roller skating rink. It's great. Like, OK, like, fine. Roller skating rink in space. We'll do it. Great. Um 
the uh it also has a nice little like if you're using npc builders and you really want to use the evolutionist the rules for using an, an, an npc graph for the evolutionist are like right here so mm -hmm. it's very helpful but uh we should talk about the evolutionist first um so uh quick I, I quick uh, aside normally like our class things or we do entire videos for the classes so we're just gonna go over it very very briefly and we're not gonna like deep dive we'll do a deep dive in another episode yeah so tell me a little bit about your impressions on the evolutionist john well you know when it first came out uh i actually went through it um the during the pretest, uh ron lindine and i talked about a little bit on our show and uh, I, I like how they've kind of refined it a little bit more than, than it was before, obviously, going, mm -hmm. going from the pretest. Um, yeah. I don't know. Cool. I, it's, it's got a lot of moving parts, and I'm a pretty simple player. So it's like <laughs> you kind of got it, you kind of pick the, the type of mutation you want to get, and you kind of fill out in that direction. But uh, I haven't really, I've never made one, so I haven't really, don't have my teeth in it as much. I think it looks kind of, kind of cool and like the yeah. different types of mutations you can get some of them seem a little creepy but uh other than that, you know so one of the things i think that's really interesting about this class is to me it feels like the ultimate gish clash meaning mm. like it's like it's like three different play styles all meshed together like it's very clearly a combatant class you know you've mm -hmm. got full base attack bonus right. it's very good at fortitude and reflex saving throws it comes pre-built with a weapon that you get to design called an adaptive strike but while that's also going on it's got eight skill points plus intelligence which is a huge number and it gets more as it levels up mm -hmm. you're never going to have the intelligence of the operative or like the operative's bonus skills but like by high levels like there's a class feature that gives you more skill points as you like adapt and evolve and like you can eventually have 10 skill points plus your intelligence per level it's kind of crazy on a combat class yeah it reminds me of the shifter but i want to play it <laughs> well, touche oh oh man touche yeah. so um in, in the regards of what you were just saying that's actually one of the things that i noticed about the vanguard it's another combatant that has quite a bit of, of skill points to go around relative to a straight soldier and so that's because yeah. if you ever play a soldier that's one or or playing with somebody you're jamming and they're playing a soldier that's one of the big complaints is when it comes to skill checks uh okay i i can do athletics that's about it and uh i'll let all the skill <laughs> monkeys do things so yeah I, I, in terms of getting it more involved in in uh other parts of play besides combat that's great Oh, uh, Dustin Knight, uh, leads, uh, lead Starfinder developer is, uh, correcting us in chat. Apparently there is an errata that changes, uh, it from eight skill points per level to four skill points per level. Uh, it is not as overwhelmingly good at skills as the book says. Wow. If, oh, if you're following wow. the errata. Live, Wait, real time. <laughs> very, very, it's great. You know, we, we have, uh, Starfinder's live developer nerfing the class live in chat tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking to John about the differences of a live oh. show versus a pre-recorded show. And this uh -huh. is Exactly. And, this and is that's exactly it. what we're and talking so, about. Sometimes Paizo people come in and just tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, we, we, we do get wrong sometimes. It happens. Oh, yeah, totally. Also, we're incredibly biased. Like, yeah. incredibly biased. Uh, if you're yeah. looking for an unbiased news reporting, we are not unbiased. We are very, very biased. Um, <laughs> so uh, Mirror Wolf eight uh, says, "I've missed this live level of chaos." <laughs> yeah, no. If if you wanted a nice like regular produced show where everything is like ordered and structured, like we are the chaotic neutral of shows. It's great. Yeah, yeah. We don't even say what order we are going down the book, and we're just kind of no, uh, destroying it at the wall. We just do it. <laughs> well, that's because James and I are from Philadelphia, the most chaotic neutral city in America. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh one of the things that's really interesting about the evolutionist is like starfinder classes are pretty good in general about having like a central core mechanic that really separates them from other classes and the evolutionist is this idea of a uh, mutation point track or an mp track mm -hmm. and essentially where the vanguard gains points and just wants to spend them the evolutionist gains points and gains benefits based on the numbers they have so you're literally changing and evolving over time and a couple abilities will let you spend them in order to do things but that's really not the whole point of the class the point is to get as many as you want and sort of like just be a giant monster 
yeah, you yeah. balance it out. It, it, it kind of reminds me of the track of the Solarian, where as you go, you get more attuned to something, certain yeah. abilities open up, and then you can burn those to get other benefits. Yes. Except it's not on an XY scale. It's like an XYZ and another axis that comes after Z. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, the other cool thing that they get is they have what's called a niche, and the niche is <laughs> sort of like the uh, the general thing that you're going to evolve into. And the book has a couple of options. There's like a cybernetics one, right. there's an undead one, there's a magic one, and there's like a rampant fae slash life one. And some of the abilities are pretty cool. Uh, one of the ones I like is this one for the uh, Eldritch one, where one of your allies can cast a spell on you, and normally a harmful one and if you can if you fail the saving throw against it you can like redirect it and move it around but if you pass the saving throw you redirect it and move it around and buff it and it gets even stronger so basically you are like and they cast the spell into you and then you just burst it out even better it's really cool i like that one a lot yeah the sepulcher one i think is my favorite it's just it's creepy you're turning undead you're taking stuff yeah. from people it's very fun also, you get necrographs for cheaper. You get cheaper augmentations based on your niche as well. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. It's not super important to get into. They're slightly cheaper. You could take more of them. Um, yeah. You'll be very happy to know that there's an ability at second level called Fulcrum, which just allows you to in put weapon in um, enhancements onto your base weapon without yeah. having to finagle it. And it's just there, and it's written, and I love it. I almost wish that the fulcrum was just like an item that you could that anybody could have because I think that'd be a great thing for like natural weapons and unarmed strikes in general in this game. But uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm happy to see that it exists and they thought about it. Uh, they also thought about like, what are you going to do with all those credits if you're not like spending them on a weapon? And the answer is you just augment yourself. You get a bonus, and it's like cheaper to put augmentations that match your uh, your niche. Uh, it's fun. I like it. Overall, um, my thoughts on this class before we, I, I'm going to save them for a actual video, but it's here. Uh, I would say it's pretty, if I was to like do like a, an ABC F rank system, I'd probably give it like a B plus. I think it's pretty cool and exciting. What do y'all think? John, what do you think? Well, I'm a little disappointed about the the reduction of, of skill points. For yeah, I know. Ruined the class. <laughs> I know. It would have been really an A plus, but now it's a C. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's kind of neat uh, in terms of you have the various flavors you can do, you know? So, you know, it's, you're not kind of locked into, you know, one, one way of doing things. And so you mm -hmm. could actually have multiple evolutionist characters and just yeah. kind of push them in different directions. And so, I really like that uh, that mm. that aspect of it, you know, and you could flavor it you know, based on the campaign that you're going into. Do you know what? Do you know what character that the evolutionist does surprisingly well that I don't think it was intended to do, but it totally does. Mega Man. Mega Man. Mega Man. <laughs> yeah. Oh! <laughs> the link. The link. Yeah. It's the Philly power. <laughs> Our brains are broken the same way. <laughs> I was um, reading through those abilities and I was just like, "Wait, oh, that's Cut Man." Oh, yeah. it's Bubble Man. He sucks. <laughs> yes. No, totally. It's definitely 100% Mega Man, the class. Um, it's clearly, it's it's supposed to be more like a shifter. Uh, I am I continue to be a little bit disappointed that we don't have a proper polymorphing class uh, mm -hmm. in Starfinder, because I thought we were going to get it in the biohacker. You hack your genes and change, and no, that's not the biohacker. And then I thought we were going to get it in the evolutionist, and like that's not really what the evolutionist is either. But what this class is, is cool. I like this class. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think it's, solid, solid B, solid B. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, you can't go wrong when one of the sample art characters is like a Bantrid that's been turned into a tank. Love <laughs> it. It's good. God, it looks creepy. Yeah, oh, uh, all the evolutionists are creepy. Have you seen the iconic? He's like half bug, half yeah. Patra. It's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the, uh, the goblin on the next uh, page, that's just like a skeleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Also, that goblin, uh, I, I guess, like, does his skin grow back when his mutation points, like, go away? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I think we're going to need official confirmation from Dustin uh, in chat to know whether or not those things come back. But while we wait for that official um, confirmation, the next section of the book is all about different classes. And it looks like, at a glance, every class that's been printed up to the evolutionist has options. The evolutionist itself doesn't have anything new, but it includes things for the vanguard, the precog, the nanosite. It's pretty good. 
Oh wait, yeah, there's Anasite. Okay, I'm not crazy. I'm mostly crazy. Uh, but... Oh no, you're right. Wait, am I tripping? Nah, Starfinder doesn't do what Pathfinder used to do because Pathfinder One E would also add new options for the class that was in it, and Starfinder doesn't do that. But they have pretty much everything else uh, up to that point. I don't. Uh, I wasn't sure about Operative, and then I found it because uh, my my eyes are bad. Yeah, no, I, I it's fine. Yeah. Wow. I forgot. I, I when I was looking through earlier, I forgot that O comes before it comes after N, and was very confused why the nanosite wasn't in here. That's why I know it's in here because I eventually found it. Oh wait, you no, know. there's no Technomancer. Is there? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Because Is a soldier in here? Yeah. So wait, they didn't. I, I oh, and, and there's no Mystic. Is there? Yeah, no Mystic either. Huh. I guess maybe they assumed that like all the spells that are in this book are content for them. I don't know if I agree with that, but eh. All right, there's two, there are two class. Oh, and Witch Warper's not here either, is it? I thought Witch Warper was. Don't they get something? Am is I tripping? I swore they got an alternate um, uh, world powers. Uh, if they do, it must be elsewhere in the book because it's they don't have a like none of the spellcasting classes have an entry in this book except for Precog, which that makes sense because Precog had less content than the other spellcasters in the uh, in Galactic Magic. But yeah, there are seven oh. classes altogether. So it looks like they chose Biohacker, they chose Mechanic, Envoy, uh, Nanosite, Operative, Precog, uh, Soldier, which is always good. And okay, that's it. so the Witch Warper option is much further in the book on page 107. Ah, that makes sense. So one of the things we're going to point out is that there are class spreads in this first part of the chapter, but all of the different species that are featured highlighted species in this book have options that go with them too. So sometimes <laughs> things get spread out in weird places. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. It's kind of hard to keep track of where things are. I feel like if this book was all new, like a bunch of new species and every class had their things just spread out, that might make a little more sense and be easier to keep track of. This is a little tricky, but yeah, yeah, it's fun. I, I also kind of like it. I mean, um, I don't. There's nothing for the Technomancer. There are seven references to it, and it's all spells. Oh no. All right, so the Technomancer just gets really left out of this book. It's all um, it got drunk. It got drunk sword. They they hit the apex of classes on. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk a bit about some of the options in here. Uh, John, did you see anything that you were really interested in when you looked at the class options uh, for non-evolutionist classes? Yeah, the operative having a heavyweight skirmisher uh, ability. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting because you know you've been stuck with kind of small arms so long, and to, to have something, yeah. you know heavy armor, heavy weapons. Um, I actually have a player um, right now that uh, in one of the games I'm playing that has, has been using this, uh, this type of operative. So it's kind of, kind of neat to see doing the, uh, basically your, your various tricks that you can do, but uh, with heavier damage dealing weapons, but there are obviously some yeah. trade-offs because of that though. I think that this book has so first of all one of the things i like that's not about the nanosite because i'm going to talk about some nanosite stuff that i've noticed but th this is the first book that i can think of since like one of the issues of threefold conspiracy that has added new drone chassis mm. yes the tunnel drone yeah like and i it's one of those things where it's like i kind of can't believe that we've had so few new ones of those like, it's mm -hmm. kind of surprising. And, like, uh, James called out the tunnel drone, so I'm going to let James talk about that because clearly you're very excited about that. I mean, it's a drone that tunnels. I mean, it's it's exciting. It's a new way for drones to get places and get stuck and, you know, have your <laughs> mechanic get angry because their drone is stuck in a hole now. It's very good. Uh, that drone definitely wants to be in that hole, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that like, so like Nanosite is a very interesting class to me because I think it's probably Starfinder's most complicated class. Uh, I don't know what you think about that, James, since you play one in our home game. Oh, it's, it's, it's so much bookkeeping. I don't know if it's complicated. It's a lot of bookkeeping. Uh, for me, the, the numbers and the bookkeeping, I, I don't know how you, you, you hate numbers. Like, why did you want to play math the class? Uh, because it <laughs> let me make a person made out of bees that made weapons in of bees that shot bees at other people and could get All charged right. up with extra bees. All right. That's fair. That's very fair. Um, it has a lot of interesting new options in this book. Um, I feel like the nanosite is kind of like the mechanic where a lot of its class features are unusual utility powers that mm. are hard to see the value of until they save you. In, in <laughs> we, we're, we're in a, uh, in an adventure path and my nanosite uh, fire or my fire extinguisher, my snowshoes and my spotlights and carjack have all been remarkably useful. 
the best part <laughs> was when you 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 fire extinguished a bunch of goblins so they couldn't see me as I shot incendiary grenades at them, <laughs> and then, and they then put died. out the car. It was great. Now, um, it, it, again, like nanosite is just a class that's like its value is dependent. On, it's like the alchemist in PF two. Its value is dependent on your ability to predict how useful different options will be, and uh, the answer is fire extinguisher is always good, always, yeah, always. good. Um, but one of the things that I thought was interesting is they get an ability at six level. It's one of their knacks. It's called camouflaging sheath, and it's very good. Uh, <laughs> they can they can use a move action to buff the uh, insight bonus they get from to stealth checks from their uh, their sheath array when they're wearing it by two, mm -hmm. and then they could also spend a resolve point to hide in plain sight. And I'm assuming that means hide in plain sight as the operative exploit, because it doesn't actually say that. It just right, says to right. hide in plain sight, uh, which is weird. It feels like an omission. But regardless of that, um, I'm pretty sure that means the nanosite can use that ability before the operative can, because I think it's a level... I think it's one of like the, the level eight uh, exploit for the operative, if I remember right. So it's like it's interesting because you have that that trade off of yeah, I can do this, but it costs me one of my surges, and like honestly, that's more of a resource loss than it is for the operative. I think it's cool. I like seeing classes that mess with design space like that. You have a face that says you've seen something peculiar, James. Yeah, you mentioned uh, hide in plain sight, and I thought it was a universal monster ability, and it's totally not. Oh. Yeah, no, I think it's an operative exploit. Yeah, that's wild. It's one of those things where, like, Starfinder just sometimes just, like, expects you to know the Pathfinder shorthand. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, wow, that is confusing. Yeah, that's all right. You know, hopefully there's someone in chat listening right now who can add and issue a uh, FAQ about it in the near future. <laughs> um, as per uh, operative. <laughs> yeah, as per operative. Um, it's interesting because, like, a lot of the options in this section are themed after specific species that appear later in the book. So it's it mm. almost feels like... They were like, hey, these options are for uh, the cephalooms, for example, uh, but we don't want to put them in the cephaloom chapter, but here's some options. Like the nanosite ones, it talks specifically about cephalooms and there's art for it, mm -hmm. and you get like a lot of abilities about like nanites glowing and stuff. So it's it's interesting. I like it. Uh, yeah. I also like the art of the kobold with dragon wings. Yeah, it was yeah. like hold, holding the heater back. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think it also fits into the Starfinder idea of like not locking too many things behind species. Yeah. Um, and that idea has gotten even bigger as more books have come out. So I, I think it's cool to separate them or at least within the vision of the game. Cause I do like exclusivity, but you know, you, you know, I'm looking at the operative stuff now. I feel like bully is something we should have had before now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of weird yeah. because I think it's only later on, but it makes it sound like your trick attack is also an intimidate attack or intimidate effect. And it's not. Because there's something later in the book that lets you do that as part of it or as an associated action. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, I think that that, like that, that, um, that, that specialization ability, the d domineering strike, it says when you make a trick attack against a creature that's frightened, panicked, prone, or shaken, you treat any trick attack damage dice that rolled a one or two as if you had rolled a three. Like, wow. that's really good. Yeah. Like, that's really good. Like, a strength-based operative that just beats people up and just does tons of damage to them is apparently very viable now, uh, especially yeah. since heavyweight skirmisher, like you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing with operative, you know, early on, everybody talks about how they're all OP, whatever, they have all the mm -hmm. skills and stuff. When you get to higher level, they their damage does not scale as nice mm. as the Solarian, as the soldier, or as the mm -hmm. Vanguard. And so to have a way for it to do additional things, kind of like buffing it, the, the exploits that kind of buff it, in increasing damage or increasing other things it can do with it, you know, yeah. a, you know a quick intimidate once you hit somebody. That's that's really pretty cool. I mean, there's other ways you can get that, but to have that as one of their exploits, I think is kind of neat. Yeah, I agree completely. One of the things I've noticed about the operative is like they their trick attack ends up hitting about as hard as a single attack from a soldier or a Solarian, which sounds great until the soldier and Solarian get onslaught and start making three attacks per round. And then those attacks are hitting for like 70 plus damage. And the operative is like, I'll hit 50 if I'm lucky. And then it's like, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, uh, even so, we did. We just finished um, Devastation Arc, and so we were yeah. playing. You know, the last couple of months I've been playing eighteen to twenty, and I've been running a Vanguard. We have a Solarian. I'm going to interrupt you briefly. Go ahead. Do not spoil. I'm trying to get James to run that for no, us. No, no, no. I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah. What, what, cool. what I'll say is, 
So as a Vanguard at 18 to 20 level, I'm doing maybe 60 to 70 a hit, right? Yeah. The operative with a trick attack might be doing 50 to 60. The Solarian yeah. is doing like 70 to 80. And we didn't have a soldier, but we're getting more attacks and they get their one trick attack. I'm getting yeah. two. Solarian's getting three. Yeah. You know, each of them with that. that. So definitely the scaling, they seem really strong, you know, like, you know, from five to eight, five to 10, but it yeah. doesn't scale as well. So it's good to have yeah. some additional things. Definitely. And I, I also think that like, yeah, operatives are like overwhelmingly good at that, like a lot of skills, but yes. because they're really only putting their points into decks and intelligence, that is the majority of skills, but like, yeah. You know, you're not going to be able to like do athletics as well. Like, I, I actually agree with you. I don't think the operative is as OP as people think they are. Uh, mm -hmm. If you want the numbers class in combat, it's the soldier. Soldier is my mm -hmm. favorite. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I have never played a soldier. I haven't had fun on. Uh, I love that <laughs> class. Just, just let me, let me destroy everything. Uh, yeah, did anybody have any other class options you wanted to talk about before we uh, move on? The sniper option for the soldier. Do yeah. it. Talk about it. Yeah, the far the far shot fighting style it just makes you a, uh, a sniper, and gives you cool sniper stuff. It's just something that's kind of been outside of your purview and has been left to the operative. So yeah. now you can get it on the fun. I think there's something that did some amount of sniping, another fighting style, but it wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and this is kind of like part two. Oh, and we made it work. Well, it's funny because like the soldier is a class that you could take both of those. Like you could pick this one as your primary and the other one as your secondary or vice mm -hmm. versa. I think one of the things that makes the that far shot style so good and it's really uh, overlooked is that uh, it gives you stealth as a class skill. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they don't have yeah, that. They don't have that. Um, there, I think there are ways you can get it, but like it gives you stealth as a class skill without needing to take a theme for it or wasting a feat on it. Like it's good. Like, and, you know, the soldiers have this thing where at at high levels, they stop caring about their feats, but at low levels, like, you still want to grab combat feats. Like, you don't want to mm -hmm. have to spend your feet on uh, skill synergy for stealth. So I, I, I'm happy to see that. I think it's very good. I think um, the mines, the explosive expert kind of thing is, is kind of cool as well, you know, um, to have, have those sorts of things kind of built in. I mean, you had other classes, you know, like you have the bombard soldier doing stuff with explosives and grenades and things, but here it's uh, kind of more focused on uh, explosive traps kind of things. I say. Yeah. And it's yeah. very appropriate because the soldier section is all about kobolds. Yes. So like having a, <laughs> having a, a soldier fighting style, that's about laying mines and watching them explode is funny. Yeah. Um, in my, uh, again, this might be a controversial take, but I feel like this particular fighting style highlights the weirdness of the fact that Starfinder doesn't really have like formal mine rules. It's basically just you put a grenade in the ground and press a detonator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, which I guess is fine. Like that's technically true, but it feels weird. I definitely think Starfinder could use like snares as a, as an yeah. item type similar to what they are in Pathfinder two, but maybe a little bit better. Um, regardless of that, I think that was a cool one to, uh, to uh, call out. Very awesome. All right. Uh, we after that for the species chapter in chapter two, uh, we get this awesome spread of the evolutionist, uh, and then we just spend the rest of chapter two looking at playable species. Like there's there's no other sections. There's no uh, there's no species builder. There's no species profile. There's no playable species. It's just a list of species in Starfinder. And the Samsaran art looks like um, He Man from the the, art? yeah from uh, that old uh, meme video. Hey, like if you yeah. I gotta look at this now. Yeah. It, I, I just noticed it now and it it threw me off a track <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so what's really funny about that is that is the art from the playing card deck where they those, oh, those, uh, those species right, right, were introduced right. yeah kobold kitsune samsarin Knoll, and gripley were originally just bonus species added to the uh alien deck uh way back in the day mm -hmm. um oh. but now they're in this book uh Hopefully they'll get put somewhere else because they don't have any sections in here, but they exist. They're here. You can use them. <laughs> um, one of the things that's really impressive is that they, that this book takes every playable species in Starfinder, puts it in this little grid and then gives you like a brief blurb about it and then mm -hmm. tells you the book that it was printed in and the page that it was printed on. Mm -hmm. So like, mm -hmm. uh, and 
that doesn't sound very impressive until you remember there's like over a, almost 200 species at the time this book was printed, which means that it's like five pages of columns for these. It's very impressive. Um, it's it's one of those things like when and this is an aside, but when people tell me they want to see uh, Starfinder brought into PF2, I kind of question the logistics because you couldn't do this in PF2. PF2 needs like six pages per species. There's mm -hmm. no way you would never have gotten this. Um, and it's fun because now you could have like a billion different aliens. Uh, one of the things I like in this section is like they talk a bit about like choosing aliens for your galaxy and they use the core seven species to try to talk about like why, like what those add to the settings. So, like it talks about how like having Gisoki means that not everybody is the same size and having hmm. Lashunta means that you can kind of show the diversity within a species a little bit better. Humans are a strong baseline. Uh, Vesks are just the bad guy, I guess, an, <laughs> an <wolf>. adversary. <laughs> Worf! Yeah, uh, it's good. I actually like that flavor. I think it's interesting. Um, and then uh, we skip to the next page, and we're still in the species section, but we're talking about the custom species builder now. Um, I, I like how they do the, the, what is it, the Vitruvian Man is what it's called, John? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they I do don't know Vitruvian what it's called, man. but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do the Vitruvian Man, which is a Da Vinci picture of yeah, the guy in yeah. like different poses, and they do it with an alien, which is and it's like a centaur alien. I'm going to assume <laughs> that's an easel goon, and I love it. Oh, it's it's multiple aliens. Yeah, it's different it's multiple. different limbs, right? They're all different limbs yeah. and stuff. Oh my gosh, you're right. Oh, that, that poor <laughs> that poor creature. Yeah. Um. So there is base like the rules for this are not. When you hear species builder, I think you kind of assume you're going to get like a race builder, like it was in the advanced race guide for Pathfinder 1. And this isn't really that. It's sort of just like high concept and it doesn't have a whole lot of like mechanical guidance. It just kind of gives you some ideas on like, and like there's some tables on like what to do. Uh, I'm going to be honest, as someone who designs for Starfinder for my own content regularly, this wasn't very useful for me. But this might be useful to somebody who doesn't have that same skill set. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll say one thing that's neat about it. Uh, you know, you mentioned all these tables. They're set up like here's a D100 table. Here's a D100 table. Here's a D10 table. Here's a D12 yeah. table. You could build a random species just by rolling dice. You could. True. So if you True. wanted to create something, you needed something new for your setting and you didn't want to use anything that exists already and didn't have the creative juices that Alex Agunas has, you could ah, roll dice. True. You could just roll dice. And that's me. Yes. I'll just roll dice. I'll try this next time I have to create something for an adventure. We'll see how that works. To me, so to me, <laughs> like, again, like, it feels like the deck of many worlds, but yes. in a four-page spread about yeah. species. And that's fine. Like, if that's what you're looking for, that's fine. Do not expect to walk out of this with a fully balanced, like, mechanical, playable species. Expect to walk out of this with, like, an NPC uh, species that you can play with later. Uh, also, I didn't mention this earlier. Uh, one of the things, that I'm, I'm going out of my way to try to use the word species when we talk in this yeah. book, because another thing this book does is it mentions that from this book forward, they're changing the terminology from race to species because it's more appropriate from like a futuristic scientific perspective. Uh, I like that. Uh, yeah. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> it makes I sense. think it's better. It's better. Like, yeah. why use an outdated, archaic term with no scientific backing? Yeah. yeah when uh, While Jason uh, Keeley was still at uh, Paizo um, with the Starfinder team, he and I talked about this this mm -hmm. change because we were discussing things coming out. And uh, so I, I think it's great going forward. I think it's, yeah. it's awesome. I, I, I know that Owen and I, Owen, Casey Stevens and I are very close. Owen was the, uh, not the lead designer, the design lead on the original Corporal book. <laughs> And you know, he's very particular about the title. And one of the things that he told me was that there was a serious conversation about whether or not to use it in the core book, uh, the legacy term one, and it was something that Owen kind of regrets going. Mm. So like, I'm glad to see them moving forward yeah. with the with the proper term. I think that that's the better call personally. Um, so, but then after you go for that, you continue in the species section. Uh, this should probably, and I, one of the jokes that I am referring to constantly, I'm going to explain my joke, is that uh, the 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 margin bar in this book does not work. Uh, it stays <laughs> highlighted on species throughout every spread, starting on the species list that we went over that has every species in the game, but it never moves down to species builder or playable species. And playable <laughs> species and species builder are out of order. 
So it's funny. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 you know what? Like it's the one of the, as someone who publishes third party stuff, I too print errors all the time. It's one of the joys of the medium. Like you don't get this quality uh, human error in like a, t- in a video game because it just gets patched out. But in this, it's like, okay, people are people. Awesome. Um, but speaking of that awesome stuff, let's talk about the playable species section. I think for me, this is where this book shines. Yeah, I I uh, really enjoy, especially, I mean, the Raxlet is my favorite because I think it's <laughs> just ridiculous. Um, but to go in there and flesh out stuff that isn't fleshed out in such a comprehensive way is very refreshing to see. Because, I mean, it's like a four to five pages per species. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, I, if I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that, like, only the core Starfinder species have gotten this level of in-depth analysis. Maybe the Ishtikri and the Patra, if you, like, yeah, pull I, all their stuff out. Yeah, I think the, um, the Vascarium species yeah. got them. I, I think mm-hmm. that I think that when they did those big setting books, like they they each of them got something similar to this. Not not quite as like spe- specifically zoned in, but something similar. Yeah. Um, otherwise, in in the Alien Archives, they would get one to two pages. Yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, in the Alien Archives, of that one to two pages, there are two pieces of art which take up about a page, and then the stat blocks usually take up about half a page so you usually get half a page if you're lucky and there's a couple in this book that were originally introduced in adventure path volumes so they get a single page which means they maybe had a paragraph before this uh the shimmering come to mind immediately um as a brief summary of the different species that are in this book uh you have astrozoan the as the asatrapi uh the beetle people uh the cephalooms uh contemplatives dragonkin formians hadrogon uh hannikins dr raptor Kalo, Kobold, uh, Maracoy, Noir, Patra, Psychonoid, uh, yeah, Psychonoid. Uh, God, I can't say. Help me, James. I'm floundering on on live. <laughs> uh, oh boy, I was I was going slow. I was trying to remember the name of the Noir for a second. Psychonoid, uh, Psychonoid, maybe. Maybe yeah, the P is silent. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I have no idea. A uh, Quarlu, Raxolite, Rhyphorian, uh. Skyphazoan, uh, Shimmering, SROs, Trox, Uplifted Bears, Urogs, Blackas, and Warlanases. Uh, very fun. There's a lot. So uh, I don't think we have time to really do a deep dive on every single one of them. So let's pick a couple each and like talk about stuff we like. Who wants to go first? Uh, sure. I'm happy that there's stuff for the Noir. They f- yeah. felt like there was going to be more stuff about Noir much earlier. And yeah. then they're just like, oh, they're Minotaurs. Cool. So, and they gave them like certain things like maze weaponry and stuff. But, yeah. Uh, and it's so weird because like they're posited as like a maze, like not like a major species on Absalom Station, but like a pretty big one. And like you would think that they would have gotten stuff sooner. I'm happy to see them here. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're cool. They're amazing. They give them some extra spells as part of it and like a, a bit more about how you probably go about role playing them by giving some mm-hmm. more context to their existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of think the same thing about the Rhyphorians. So we, we see them a lot, especially in society play. You know, and yeah. they show up a lot of different places. And you know there's a couple of different flavors, the winterborn, the summerborn, and then kind of the in-between. And it's mm-hmm. nice that they kind of flesh it out. And again, you know, talk about more about the differences, um, talk more about the type of specific spells that they could have and things like that. So I, I kind of like that. That's I think that's pretty cool as well. Yeah, uh, I want to talk. I think my favorite one in the entire book is the Astrozoans. Uh, the Astrozoans <laughs> yes. are delightfully weird. They're shape shifting starfishes. And how this book takes the time to talk about what that is like and what the experience of an Astrozoan <laughs> is, is very, very good. Um, for example, it talks about how Astrozoans, like, their shape-shifting is not supernatural. They literally just contort their bodies into the shapes they need. And if you cut an astrozoan that is shape-shift, it still looks like an astrozoan on the inside, which is a starfish. (laughs) So uh, I love that. I love it. It talks about how when they're kids, like kids often struggle keeping their forms like well. And like, it's just a really good, like, I mean, I I love Kitsune. And so I love Mm shape-shifters. And like, this is a really good look at like what, a shape life as a shapeshifter would be like. Uh, it also has some really great feats that go with it. Uh, all of them are based around shapeshifting, change shaping. So, like if you polymorph, if you do 
uh, any type of like change shape. If you do the Astro Zoan's ability to change your form, they're very good feats. Uh, I, I, in general, like this was, this was a great one to start with because it's very strong. I, and I just, I, I love, there's a, like every species has its own little paragraph that is unique to that species. Like they follow a set pattern but all of them have one that's unique to that species. And the Astrozoans is about their identity and how they view like different forms that they have in their repertoire. And it is fascinating. I, I love this one. It's very good. 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, the forming one is great too, because it goes over like another insectoid race that would be hive communal, kind of like the Trox, but how they separate from that and being a mm -hmm. almost entire species that doesn't have reproductive members, like how that frees you up to study the blade or whatever you want, you know? <laughs> yeah you, you you did this i studied the blade <laughs> yeah i i really enjoy playing uplifted bears i have a, a couple i've played in various campaigns and things and it's kind of neat talking about uh, their mysterious origins that they have and kind of some of the decisions that they need to make concerning how they want to uh, kind of adapt to uh, society and things but i i especially like the uplifted bear specific feats you yeah. know, like bear hug and brutal slash hibernate, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, I think that's really cool. Uh, now it's, I have a, I have a really high level uplifted, uplifted bear in society plays level, uh, 14 now. And I'm thinking, oh, I might have to rebuild them, man. So, <laughs> um, I really like the dragon Ken section. Mm. Uh, I think that, <laughs> I think that dragon Ken are this, in this really weird place where, up until now, all of their lore have basically been that Vyforians ride them sometimes. And yeah. like they, they make pack bonds with people. And having the insight on what they are apart from their communal bonding and with it is good. I like the lore and the flavor for it. Um their their special thing, like literally, like again, like it the, none of the species follow like hard word counts. Literally over half of the page that like half a page is dedicated to talking about what bonding rituals are to Dragonkin. It's good. It's good stuff. Um, there's great feats for the section too. I like Hurl Ally, where you yes. can pick up a friend yes. and just eat them. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. And it, all you have to do is be large and have a 17 strength. So like, you know, play an uplifted bear and throw me, John. You can do it. Um, and then uh, another thing I like is that they have alternate racial abilities uh, for the dragonkin. So you can like switch your breath weapon around and have like different types, or you could just not fly and be a squish. Like yeah. it's fine. Yeah. The Corlu, um, while their species is cool and they, there's some really cool out of them, they get the mm -hmm. witch warper options and they are actually really good witch warper options. They include stopping things from collapsing around you, being able to go into places that are filled with rubble, like excavating areas so you can get people. Freedom of movement in an area. <laughs> Oof. Like, it's very powerful things appropriate to their levels, which is something that, uh, especially more early on, which Warper struggled with. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, kobolds are kind of relatively new to um, playable species and things. Um, but one of the things I really like about, you know, the, the fact that they're like mini dragons and they have this draconic legacy, but that they have this feat of major draconic form. Yeah, you know, I like those. Yeah, it, it's just so cool that you have this mini dragon that can become a big dragon. So. Well, and like they, they even have other feats <laughs> that just do stuff. Like yeah. you, like a lot of them are like you don't actually need to just be a kobold in order yeah. to have them. Like if you wanted to be a Rhyphorian that turns into a dragonkin, you could take the dragon the draconic form feats. Like it's mm -hmm. it's cool. Like I think the I think the 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 feat options for the kobold are some of the strongest. Like yeah. out of all the species. Um, my, uh, uh, I think it was Milo three in chat. It was either Milo three or, or mirror wolf. Uh, they were talking about, yeah, it was Milo three. It was talking about, uh, how this book recontextualizes kobolds, uh, rather than being like a scrappy race from Galarian that like lives in tunnels and stuff. Uh, it's implied that all kobolds disappeared during the gap and then suddenly witched warped back into reality out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I, I strongly do not like that. Uh, I think that removes cobalt agency and it removes something that makes them fun because now it makes them feel like they're not real in some senses. Mm. I not a fan. Uh, I, I personally do not use that lore in my Starfinder games. I don't like it. I think that it's like, it's trying to change something that didn't need to be changed. That's my opinion. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I get it the other way too. It's a, it's, it's cause it's a niche that you would share with like goblins and, uh, 
isoki sort of like other creatures that I mean, have similar body profiles yeah but then they even with space goblins they're like these aren't the galarian goblins they've mutated in space let's like as someone who wants to play pathfinder in space i kind of don't need to see all of that stuff change like mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. could just let me play pathfinder in space and not need to recontextualize it for me I kind of just want to play Pathfinder in space, please. <laughs> that's just my opinion. No, uh, no, no. That's what it. Um, Maracoy are in it, and the Maracoy uses a shield with his tail. That's cool. Yeah. I yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> Raxalites exist. Play a tiny species. Oh, my God. I I both love and I hate them at the same time. <laughs> am, I, am I allowed to love and hate them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, what is that, cute-based aggression? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, I, I like them, but, like... I also don't like them. I, I don't know. I I, I kind of wish they were just leshies. Like why? Oh, right, right, I don't know. Right. I, I mean, like I don't know. It's, it's fine. fine. They're, they're fine. I'm not upset at them. I just they're not for me, and I'm willing to accept that. But you know what is for me? Mm -hmm. You know what is for me, James? Have you seen the Patra section of this book? No, I, I specifically stay away from cat people. No, listen. Every <laughs> no, listen. You need to read it because every single feat is based around being a singer. And is based around yeah. using sonic weapons in harmony with your voice. Yeah, I've read some of it. I just uh It's great. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're you're just gonna have to ignore the fact that it's in a cat person section because it's it's like I've like in terms of like having content that synergizes together, this is great. It's really good. <laughs> I don't also I don't like uh, their Rex art though a... for the for the Patra though. That's the one thing. I that uh, they all have this kind of um I don't know. They're not. They're not as cute of a cat, or they're not as. Oh, uh, they're they're they are not good cat people. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> they look like I, melted kajits. At, yeah. At the, was... at the risk of everybody labeling me as a furry, which is fine. <laughs> come at me. Um, like, <laughs> like, uh, honestly, like they just like it's like someone was like, "What do people like about cat people?" And let's not do any of that. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, like they have really yeah. unsettling faces. They're not yeah. cute and fluffy. Mm -mm. They're they're kind of based on just like weird cheetahs, and then yes. they have like regular people feet. Like, come on. Like, they kind of remind me of the cats from like the stage play. They, they look like the cats from the stage play. It's like, yeah. oh, I just like I don't know. I'm not a fan of them. Uh, if there, if 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 Thurston Hillman wanted to do like the next Drift Crisis, and it was like a witch warp event that changed all of reality, and they just wanted to randomly change how every Patra was drawn, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> Go for it, just do it, please. You know, first first put the Islanti Star Empire and the Vescarium in war that ravages the galaxy, and then witch warp all the Patra into like actual cute looking cat people. Then we'll be good. <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah uh so i mean that's there's a lot of other species in here that we did not talk about or cover uh we could probably do an entire book just going over it like how the jellyfish people have some of the most amazing art i've ever seen in this book it's so um, good it's so good uh I, honestly it's an improvement on their art from the uh the Atlante book they were in every possible way like they, they, they're in like total gremlin stance it's great <laughs> uh, I highly recommend this book just for the jellyfish. Uh, obviously, uplifted bears get lots of content. Uh, they have some really great feats. Like, wow. Like, if there's one thing this book does well, these races all add tons of feats in the game, which is great because I don't think that Starfinder has had a good, wide, growing list of feats to choose from. I feel like mm -hmm. I'm picking the same things over and over again. And this book was like, nah, you want to hibernate? Have a hibernate feat. Okay, I, maybe I will take a nap, John Compton. Um, <laughs> um, and then yeah, I, I just I and and honestly, like I like the spread of species in this book. There's a there's something for everybody. You know, if you want a weird, crazy alien, that's here. If you want a silicon-based life form, that's here. If you're a furry and you want to play a vlaka, it's here. Have fun. It's like it's great. Yeah, the tracks um, exist, and you get a feat that lets you make boring tunnels, kind of like the drone. It's mm. exactly what James wants. James just wants to dig holes. <laughs> he's he's gonna he's gonna be a he's gonna be a trox mechanic that has a boring drone and he can dig after his drone the drone makes this whole his digging easier <laughs> nothing will drive your gms crazier than fighting with map geometry it is the most powerful thing you can do <laughs> it might not seem like it but it is hilarious when you just make a wall appear or disappear or change how things move oh my gosh it's interesting Dustin just commented about how I pray, how I said the feats were good, and then he said, "But you just insulted Patra feats." F E E T. 
<laughs> I hate it. Boo! Now it's recorded for posterity. How point and laugh, everybody! Point and laugh. Yeah, make fun of the pipe fox, everyone. All right. Uh, next up, uh, the the last chunk of this book, which I feel like is the chunk nobody really expected, but I appreciate and wish we had more of, is mm-hmm. the NPC gallery. Take it away. Oh Charles. my god, it is organized amazingly in that it's organized into like classes of things you want and then subclasses. Yep. Like, instead of, like, going through an alphabetized list, it's like, bounty hunter, here's some bounty hunters. (laughs) Celebrities, here are types of celebrities. It's so useful. It's so easy. Do you know what's really funny? I use this book. Uh, One of my players' mother is, like, an archpriest of the Cult of the Devourer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I pulled out the level 20 divine champion because I needed stats for them rolling perception and stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. They actually managed to kill her at level 13 because they did a very smart thing and tricked her into sitting into a chair that that, that skull crushed her every round. But I got to use the (laughs) stat block and it was like, oh, look, I I don't have to make a monster that's just going to get instantly thrown into the garbage can. (laughs) (laughs) That's the worst. You spent like a day and a half like doing this bounce thing and then your players just like plane shifted and then you never see it again <laughs> yeah when i first started playing starfinder one of the things i wanted to do is see a bunch of pre-made creatures pre-made characters npcs different classes and things to get a feel for it end up buying something from legendary games and it was you know i had like 10 different levels of of, of a couple of different characters i mm-hmm. like the variety of, of of what they have here yeah you know, both is a as a GM that you want to pull something into a game really quick, you know, they meet an NPC and all of a sudden it becomes more than just one conversation and they have to do more with them. Well, you can find one that, that fits pretty well. Or as a player, yeah. you're trying to think, well, what would this kind of look like uh, if I were building this kind of thing? What maybe what kind of type of feats I might want to get and, and things like that. So they have a, you know, they're not built maybe specifically how you would do it as a, as a player, but gives you some sense for how to build a holistic kind of framework around something you want to do. I like yeah, that. I, I like it. Uh, and honestly, uh, so the art that goes with these spreads is often fire. Uh, one of my favorite ones is under sports figure the figures. The, the art for that is an uplifted bear yeah. in a football uniform, but the football is a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> also, <laughs> in general, good. all your stat blocks have everything factored in, Yeah, yeah. which is a very small uh, but very important thing when you are using NPCs. You're well, just like, how do I attack with this? What is my move speed? Like things that yeah. are based for that are in that. Like I'm looking at the quartermaster and it's augmentation for standard speed suspension is included in its base speed. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. one of the things that's really interesting, they talk about it in the front section is that all of these stat blocks do not have a uh, class graph on them. If you want to make them into a class, you can literally just throw the class graph on them. They're balanced so that it will not break the character. You could just be like, all right, and I'm going to throw the operative class graft on you. Here's some new abilities. So, like, they're very customizable. Uh, that being said, I want more of this. I would have bought yes. an entire book of this. I Literally, you could have called it something like, uh, oh, God, what would what would be the, the name of, like, a dossier that the cops have on people? Oh, Agents of the Vast. Yeah, something like that. I would love that. I, I honestly, I need more stat blocks than what this has. Uh, I need, and honestly, what I really need is I need NPCs that are pre-written at high levels because <laughs> my, my, I have, I, I'm running two campaigns that are 13th level right now. Mm-hmm. Both of them are 13th level and finding stat blocks that are NPCs is so hard. I have to make so many custom characters and just watch them get thrown into the garbage. <laughs> oh. Like, 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 oh, you one shot that guy. Well, <laughs> So, Alex, I will offer this up to you. I have, in Society Play, I have five characters that are 13 or 14th level, all statted out, all equipped, that will kick any of your players' butts. Okay. You can use them. Question: Are they are they built are they built using PC rules or NPC yes, rules? Yes, they're they're yeah they're going to be too hard. <laughs> they're going to yeah, be too they're, hard. They're, yeah, my players will. Not, oh, that's not true. I have two characters who will hit them. Yeah. The other ones will just cry. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. lots of tears. Uh, just because of how the math of this game works. Yeah, no, I know, um, I know, I know. If I if but if I ever want to destroy my players, I'll hit you up on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually might need to. I've already told them that the apocalypse is coming and the devourer is going to devour all of reality. Oh yeah, Ooh. I have some. I have some level twenties if you need as well from, from our games. If you need, just yes. let me know. <laughs> yes, uh, but so in a nutshell, that is the rundown of this book. Uh, we've covered all the content. We've kind of like taken our grubby fingers and smeared them into the pie of this book. 
Uh, let's talk about final thoughts uh, from everybody. James, would you like uh, to give, give me more Raxolites? There, last year said have kids next door energy. I love it. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. That was a really good. Comp- okay, I think I like Raxolites. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just have things in our head that allow us to do normal things. And we can combine those things into doing more actually. Yeah, it's just connect door. It's great. Oh my God. My 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 entire worldview has changed. <laughs> ah, that's my final thought. More Raxolites. It's a good book. I like yeah. that it gave me Raxolite options. John, go for it. You're up. I, I like you mentioned the NPCs. I like that section as well. I like to see uh, more of that, but we've already talked about that. Mm-hmm. I'll say uh, maybe pick up more I would have liked to have seen maybe some additional classes covered. So I think that would have been nice. But given yeah. what they did, I really enjoy the operative and soldier, the additional um, I don't know, archetypes, specializations that they have in there yeah. for both of those. To give you more variety, I, I've played these a lot in different campaigns and stuff. Mm-hmm. And to have something that's really radically different mm-hmm. than what you've done. I really enjoy both the operative and the soldiers. Yeah. Oh man. I, I think this book is really strong in class content. Um, Galactic magic was fine, but to me, this book feels like a step up from galactic magic in most cases. Uh, I really, really like the evolutionist. I like a lot of the content. Um, I think that there are places where like the presentation could be improved a little, and (laughs) uh, I'm not a big fan of the species builder, but like, honestly all of the uh the, the all of the, the the deep dives into the species are a joy to read and let me tell you one of my projects for every man gaming or everybody games sorry that was the old name uh every <laughs> one of my projects for everybody games was to make like a uh an updated presentation for the species and so like i had to go and like come up with feats and things that were based on their like lore and like there wasn't any and then this book came out and i was like oh there's lore made it a lot easier so i'm happy for anything i i i I think starfinder is in the point in its history where like it's gone wide enough and now it needs to start going deep yeah yeah i agree okay um so i think that this was a excellent book overall uh definitely one of the strongest ones that you can get uh but i from now we're gonna pivot away from this book and we're gonna talk about cool stuff that's happening uh in Starfinder news, because that's technically something we do. Starfinder news. Yeah. So, oh, uh, yeah. You want to start, John? You look like you got something. Oh, well, no. I It, it just occurred. When you said Starfinder news, I was just going to say uh, something that I thought you were going to say. Um, I just got this in, in the mail. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Look at that book. It's great. I, I, I wonder why, why, but why is that news? What's so exciting about that book? Um, oh, is that a name on it that I yeah, recognize? Yeah, Whose think, name could I that be? I think you know that name, don't you? That's that's my Adventure <laughs> Path volume. Starfinder. Yeah, That's Starfinder Adventure Path number 51, Into the Dataverse. It's the culminating final Adventure Path series in the Drift Hackers Adventure Path, where the players have to solve the Drift Crisis. So, like, if you've been really into the drift crisis and you want to know how it all ends and how the setting is going to move forward past the drift crisis, I wrote the answer to that. You get to go into the database, the database, database, and it's fun. Um, I I was really excited. I got a lot of freedom writing that. So it is, it's got extremely, in my opinion, it's got extremely high, uh, unchecked Alex Gremlin energy, entire adventure <laughs> path. <laughs> so if you like how unhinged I am during these episodes, you might enjoy this adventure path volume. If you think I'm too much, you might enjoy this adventure path volume, but you might be like angrily squinting the whole time. Uh, I, I like it a lot. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I took a lot of inspiration from different types of video games since you're going into a computer simulation. So like there's a lot of ready player one. There's a lot of Tron. Mm. Uh, I, I tried to base each of my different areas off of different types of very popular games. So like there's a part where, uh, there's a, there's a a counter area that's very street fighter is all I'll say. And it's good. I, I enjoy it. Uh, just just the setting and the situation and how the mechanic works. It's it's part of a video game level that is very cherished and hated about my youth. <laughs> and now I inflict it on all of you. Enjoy. Um, I hope you pick it up and you re- and the entire Drift Hackers uh, setting. Uh, if you are going to buy Port of Call next month, the next Starfinder hardcover, uh, my adventure path, its ending directly sets up that book, which oh. is interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. Yeah, uh, 
I like it. Uh, and there's also like lots of fun spells and stuff. So thank you for using your your shout out to shout me out because now I'm going to pick something completely different. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, for those of you who don't know, we are recording this on April 26, uh, 2023, and we are recording live in front of a Twitch audience. And one of the reasons I bring that up to you is because today Paizo announced the uh, the orc that the, the orc license is uh, moving forward well. And for those of you who don't know, because No Direction kind of wasn't really operating, uh, Wizards of the Coast was going to repeal the OGL. Paizo was like, no, thank you, and decided they're going to make their own OGL with orcs and goblins. And uh, yeah, so that's happening. And this doesn't affect us in Starfinder land yet, but Paizo has said that they are remastering the Pathfinder core rulebooks in October of this year. And that is a very interesting choice because they've talked about like changes that they're going to need to make in order to remove OGL elements. One of them is that alignment will no longer be in Pathfinder. And that was one of the big ones they talked about. Uh, other things like Rust Monsters and Odiugs are also gone. But uh, I think that it's the type of thing that when we're looking forward to the future in Starfinder, it's very fascinating to think about when it's time for Starfinder to jump off of the OGL, what is that going to look like? Because right now it's very clearly all hands on deck for the game that is honestly bigger, not even arguably, like 100% bigger and making Paizo most of their money. Um, and... Like, it's just interesting. I think that it's news that we're probably going to end up talking about on No Direction Prime, but I feel like we would be remiss as a news network if we didn't bring it up. Yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, Crypt Rocker 76 they have specifically said that in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, alignment will be removed, and they'll be changing mechanics based on alignment for that to make sense. Uh, the, I mean, cause so for those of you who don't know... Uh, the without using the OGL, that means technically, if we were to publish some, if Paizo was to publish something that doesn't, uh, that that is directly OGL inspired, theoretically, wizards can sue them in a court of law, and that would not be good because uh, there's a very real chance that a company like Wizards of the Coast could just drain Paizo of its finances before a ruling was ever made, just because of how much more money they have. That's assuming that their goal was to destroy Paizo, of course. Who knows? Uh, I don't think they know, but. Uh, whatever the case might be, alignment, like you can't copyright a rule that says this is a rule that shows how goodly you are. Like that is a game mechanic that's not copyrightable, but arguably uh, it's less defensible if you call that alignment and that is a specific rule from the OGL. So right. I think that it's honestly, it probably has nothing to do with whether or not the designers like alignment. It is probably easier to just scrap the mechanic and not worry about being sued. No, it'll be replaced with the Renegade Paragon system for Mass Effect. Oh my God, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> I, can you imagine that like all of a sudden all the Azadas in the game gets changed from chaotic good to like righteous Renegade is their new alignment? <laughs> it'd be funny. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh but yeah so that's like those are the big things that are going on right now uh it's exciting um so i mean now that we're back what do we want to do for our next episode do we want to do like port of call because i think port of call comes out at the end of may and so like theoretically we could do a port of call episode we could also just do an evolutionist deep dive what do you two think uh i think port of call would be good and then we can loop back i mean mm -hmm. it depends on when we are able to get the book, but yeah. Oh, that's another point. Uh, uh, Dustin just pointed out that like PaizoCon is going to be probably the week we do this. Oh, that's <laughs> so, right. Well, I'm, but then again, like when we're doing it, it'll be, we're doing a thing and then PaizoCon will start the day after we're done. So right. I think June, we might probably talk more about PaizoCon, but uh, I honestly like doing one show a month, like we currently do, like, eh, it's fine. You'll but, find your news somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. One thing I want to say is um, just today, I have a major surgery that was scheduled this summer. Uh, I just got the date for it. Um, mm -hmm. It's going to be June 23rd. Oh. Uh, and I'm basically going to be hospitalized for a week to 10 days. <laughs> and then. So what you're wow. telling me is we should do it early. In yes. Yes. It'll okay. have to be sooner than that if we want to get it. Okay. Done. Well, then maybe yeah. what we'll do is we'll shoot for like a mid-May episode. And then yeah. we'll do like the PaizoCon review at slash whatever else we yeah. feel like talking about episode like early June. So that'd be like a week. Yeah. I mean, that works. Cool. Sure. Um, Shout out. You guys. You guys do things. Oh, we do do things, don't we? Um. Oh, gosh. I mean, I already got a shout out because oh. I have my Adventure Path volume. You should buy it. 
please. I did. Show Thirsty. Oh, oh thank you. More people buy it. Uh, leave a review if you liked it. Or if you hated it, downvote the heck out of it. <laughs> Remember, my name is Thurston Hillman. <laughs> John, shout outs. Go. Oh, uh, I have uh, Starfinder Society uh, Scenario 604 Secrets Long Submerged. It's a 9 to 12 campaign that is set in uh, a planet of giants. And uh, a lot of the information mm. that's coming out in Ports of Call, I actually got to use in building oh. it. So. Heck yeah. That's cool. James, do you have a shout out? No. Anything you want to say? Okay. Well, thanks for joining us for this uh, 74th episode of No Direction Beyond. We really hope that you enjoyed and uh, enjoyed us. Remember, if you want to uh, listen to us live, we record on Twitch. Uh, hang out in no direction uh, for when we're going. Uh, I swear we're trying to be better about it. Uh, we're not great all the time, but we're kind of chaotic. <laughs> but we always record at 9 o'clock Eastern, or that'd be 6 o'clock Pacific. So, like, yeah. if you keep yourselves free around then, chances are you'll get to see us someday. <laughs> uh, and if you don't, that's okay. We usually put it up, like, a week or two after we air. So you'll get to see it. We're, we're here. We're here for you. And um, we also have a Discord. Uh, it's no direction. Uh, we survived the hiatuses and uh, are super chill and super fun and would love to answer all your questions and chat with you about Starfinder because honestly, uh, we don't have enough Starfinder chat in the Discord. We need to show those Pathfinder people that we yeah. can be just as nerdy. Let's do yeah. it. Hop into the channel, talk about Starfinder, at James with all of your questions and build ideas, and he will throw so many bees at you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's our trademark. <laughs> it's a trademark move. And uh, until next time, go beyond with no direction. <laughs>